Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, afternoon on Monday. I'm Sebekin Chaparan. I just uh, mentioned before, a little while ago, when I did the Chumash podcast, that we were looking for somebody to cover the Haftorah. Baruch Hashem, somebody stepped forward. Uh, Peter Treisman, Pinchas Treisman, uh, and it's very kind. And uh, that makes us do a full week. So let's get down to it. We, uh, I think the most important Haftorah this week is the one we're going to read on Wednesday on Yom Kippur. Uh, people familiar with Yonah, but I want to do a talk about it in the past, but we have a Haftorah, uh, which is very striking, in Shachris, you know, in, in Kriyasa Torah time. The famous Yom Kippur Haftorah, of uh, Isaiah 58, and um, which is really remarkable because he's blasting the kind of um, psalm that we actually halachically implement. So it's always interesting, whoever thought this up uh, had a sense of humor. I mean that. Uh, let me explain. The Haftar today we're going to be doing on Yom Kippur is, uh, as is always the case, partly from Perik Nun Zion, and then the rest of Perik Nun Ches. Now, of course, the chapter headings are Gaish, so it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying you won't see the words right away. But after a few sukkim, you get into what we call the 58th chapter of Isaiah, where he very famously, very controversially, God tells the prophet uh, that, what do you call it? Uh, let's see over here. Crawl Begorn al Cry out, says God to the prophet Isaiah. Al Taksoch, don't be quiet. Kashof Arm Kolecha. Raise your voice and scream like a chauffeur. And tell everybody what they're doing wrong. So we'll see in a second that uh, things were obviously something bad was happening in Yisrael, or the kingdom of Judah to be exact. You know me, I always try to try the best we can try to triangulate the historical provenance of these things. And clearly there was what we would call today an unsuccessful Yom Kippur or an unsuccessful fast day anyway. Because the people are going to complain, we fast for no reason. You know, so it, it sounds to me like that was a year when the red string didn't turn white, you know, uh, or something along those lines. Now, when you know the book of Yeshayahu, you know that he lived in the time of Chizkiah, Melch Yehuda, and there was a devastating Holocaust at that time. Uh, called the Assyrian Invasion. Um, I'm planning in January on my trip to Israel, I hope, the one we're organizing, to do Lachish, among other places. And that's the place where you have firsthand the evidence of the Holocaust that took place. I'm sincere. I use that word advisedly on the time of Yeshayahu. So things are going bad for the Jews at that time. At the last minute, the very, very end, they had a miracle and saved them. But until then, plenty of people got killed. A lot of destruction happened. It was bad news. So um, it sounds like to me that this uh, uh, comes from that time because bad stuff is happening and the people say, what's wrong? We're, we're going through the motions. We're told to repent. We repent. 
uh, we're told to fast, we fast. We do a Yom Kippur and nothing's happening. And they almost like have tinnitus. And God is saying, you're all full of it. You know, that's why nothing's happening. Shout in a very loud voice, meaning make, publicize it. And tell people what their passion, their chattas is. Now, uh, what it boils down to is that you had a situation in which the ritual stuff was good, but the social justice was no good. The economics was no good. So here we have a classic Haftorah, a classic Yeshayahu, uh, where he's blasting the rich and the poor relations. Um, there are two aspects to Judaism. Uh, what do you call them? Um, and when you read the Tanakh, for whatever reason, the emphasis is always on the Benal Makam. Whoever wrote these books, Yeshai, Yermi, Yechesk, and all the rest of it, they're always concerned, primarily, anyway, not totally, primarily, were the people worshiping Hashem or worshiping idols? Were they doing Avodah Zarah, as we call it? And it was Baal, Asherah, this God, that God, you know, you know I'm right. So, we see always that people are, you know, focused, whoever wrote these books, on the Benon Lamakam part. And indeed, the way the, the, the Swarma written, uh, whether or not the Jews were doing Judaism or Bodhisattva, that's effect that affected the political situation. So when you have good king, good times, bad king, bad times, meaning you show me a king. This is how uh, Malachim and Yermiel are written. You show me a king that worshiped Hashem and not the other way, then you'll see that king was successful, either militarily, economically, things were good. You show me a king who was an idol worshiper, oh, the enemy invaded us, Things were destroyed. Claudius all suffered. The kingdom went down to tubes and so forth. Okay, fine. That's true 99% of the time. Or 98 or 97. But not always. So if you just read Malachim and Devarayamim, you get the impression that when the guys were good, meaning you had a king like Chizkiah, for example, or Yoshafat, then everything was great and the kingdom prospered. Because he got rid of the idols, I think you don't need me to tell you, Chizkiah is famous for getting rid of the idols of his father and cleaning up the base of Migdash and reinstituting Judaism and even getting rid of the Bumbos, which the other kings weren't able to do. Because he did a lot of from things, as we would call today. But the problem is, so you think that everything was great. But there are two problems with that scenario. Number one, if everything was so great, how come they had a Holocaust? Sancheir, the king of Ashur, invaded Yehuda, I think twice. And like I said before, in the end, he didn't totally wipe him out, but he took down a lot of Jews. He spread death and destruction far and wide. Uh, that's one problem. And even the Gemara says, if Chissi was good, I remember I did it for the art school years ago in the Sanhedrin. It was something like, for this good uh, shepherd comes a bad sheep. Some, some Aramaic expression like that. If he was so good, why do bad things happen this time? Okay? And the other thing is, if you read the Nevi'im, I'm talking about Treyosar and Shai Yom Yecheskel. 
In this case, Yeshayahu. Then you see a different picture because even when things are supposed to be okay as far as being on Lamakam, but the prophets are blasting the social injustice. There's a problem being on and particularly in the economic zone where the rich are screwing the poor. And it comes out funny because how do you define somebody is from? How do we define somebody today is from? You say, if I told you, I know a guy who's a, a, a compassionate person, he works in a soup kitchen, uh, he's a very successful businessman or attorney or something like that, uh, but he's socially aware, and uh, he's a social justice type guy. And, but, you know, he doesn't keep Shabbos or kosher or something like that. You'll tell him, well, the guy's not from. Now I'm going to tell you, I know another guy who's a super Hasidish, and he keeps everything with Dr. Mitzvah. But he's a mom's and a half when it comes to business. And he would sell his mother for 10 cents, you know? And he forecloses on the on the tenants and does terrible things and all that. So we say, well, he's a from guy. He just has issues. So you see, you're defining from by the Bain Onam, La Malcolm knows the ritualistic side and not the Bain Onam Haver side. That seems to have been the situation 2,500 years ago, 2,700 years in the time of the Prophet Ishayo. Who's after we read now? And Hashem is telling him that if you're wondering, so in other words, Yishayo does record, and so does Hoshea, Yol, Amazavadia, you know, all those guys in the Treoser, if you take the trouble to study them, um, that there was a lot of situation where 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 the uh where the rich and powerful controlled the levers of government and of the law, and were using it to stick it to the poor. So Yishayo, who by the way was a member of the royal family, we're told. Uh, the Prophet Yeshayahu is told by God over here that I want you to respond to the people's question, which is, we we did everything right as far as Yom Kippur is concerned. I think it's talking about Yom Kippur, or some fast. And, I mean, it's, it must be talking about Yom Kippur. You'll see why in a second. And, uh, nevertheless, in spite of the fact that we fulfilled all the letters of the law, Bad stuff is happening to us. Okay? And the Navi says, They act like they're from every day. They seek me, meaning they want a new, new halacha and hilchus tefillin, you know what I mean? New way in Shabbos, and so on and so forth. As if they were a very righteous nation. They're always asking the Shilas. I know people like this. It's a certain type, you know. You want to ask all these different shilas, but that doesn't mean themselves they're 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 good people. They always want to be close to God, at least so they say. And then they don't get answers to their prayers, and misfortune strikes them. How can we fast and and we see nothing, right? We 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 don't get anything, you know. That we we don't see what we want to, uh, you know, to 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 um. Get our what we asked for, okay? I thought, you know, that when you fast, Tim you know, you get you get what you asked for. So in other words, we were Mekayim the Hamisha and Nuyim, and we were in Shul all day uh, without tennis shoes, just standing barefoot to feel the pain, and we were shuckling and all the rest of it, and nothing happened. So God tells them through the prophet Yeshayahu, 
that because Hashem doesn't like it, you're full of it. Because this side you're keeping, the other side you don't keep. What do you do to your tenants? What do you do to your uh, debtors? What do you do to the people that you have economic control of? Hey, I know what you're doing. God answers. On your fast day, the word matzah is like argument. You fast with grievance and strife. In other words, you're fasting, but you're out there, how shall we put it, to keep up you know, bad, uh, bad conduct towards your employees. Let's, let's put it that way. And you still strike people with a fist. Now, that means that a guy can be in the middle of Yom Kippur. I think I've seen this. And get in an argument with another guy and punch him out. Because he took his chair. Because he uh, bid for something this guy wanted to bid for. I don't know. As many possibilities as there are people. I've seen some of it in my lifetime. And you ask yourself the question, how can somebody do the Yom Kippur? Well, they don't see it that way. <laughs> right? They don't see it that way. They want to be uh, at the head of the line. And on the fast day, you're punching somebody with a fist of, of wickedness. And God is saying, therefore, that's not the fast I want. Yes, it is true that you're supposed to refrain from Achille Shtia. That is true. That's a fact. But the refraining from Achille Shtia is only a means to an end. Right? It's a means to an end. And it's supposed to be accompanied by certain types of conduct. In other words, Chuvitz feel tzedakah. So think, for example, about the tzedakah side. Yes, you're supposed to fast, but alongside the fast, you give extra tzedakah. You, you see what I'm saying? Write a bigger check. You help somebody out more. Otherwise, you have the, you know, uh, the tzom, but you don't have the feelings and the actions that tzom was designed to stimulate. Okay. The idea of Tom, the prophet is saying over here, is not to hear make your voice heard above. You know, the guy says, This guy's screaming louder than anybody else, all the rest of it. And like I say, meanwhile, he's having somebody uh, thrown out the day after Yom Kippur, you know, because he can't pay the rent. Whatever. And God says, you guys don't cop. Uh, because, and I would say the following, this is my interpretation, as I mentioned the other day, the Torah says, for example, connection with Yom Kippur, Ta'anus Nafshaseichem. So, Ta'anus Nafshaseichem literally means torture your soul or, or afflict your soul. Afflict your soul is a mental business. Get it? Ask yourself, what you're doing right to uh, to other other people, especially other Yidden. Ask yourself that and be honest with it. And if it's painful, and you say, I'm a millionaire and this and that, and I gave 10 cents for tzedakah, I'm just making that up, then you face that. And now, and if it's uncomfortable, good. That's ta'anu is nafshaseichem. But instead, what you're doing is you're saying like this, what's the halachic definition of ta'anu is nafshaseichem? Uh, you can't eat or drink. How much is the eating? Oh, is this and this much in nine minutes? And how much is the drinking? Gives them a low look. You see what I'm saying? You're focusing on the technical details, which are there. There's no question about it. They are there. But they're highly subordinate 
to what's supposed to be the result of fasting and of um, not eating or drinking. You see? And so that's what he's saying. Do you think that I, God, choose this kind of fast? When a person is afflicting himself. Well, Jesus a whiz. What are you talking about, Yeshaya? That is what the Torah says. But you hear the word. He's saying, you're concentrating on the halachic side of that, and you're ignoring the moral side of that, the Musr side of that. Do you think, the prophet says, that you're supposed to shuckle a lot, and that shows how pious you are, and God will be impressed, how you shuckle, that you shake your head like a bulrush, you know, you'll understand this perfectly. You saw on the YouTube that hurricane in Florida. You see those trees shaking up and down, right? You must have seen that, right? Uh, down there on the on the Gulf Coast, and then, you know, it looks like the trees going to be pulled out of the ground and all this kind of stuff, and the, the the those bushes and stuff are shaking. That is what the Haftar is talking about today. Are you supposed to look like that and shake back and forth? Well, yeah. If you go to a firm show, I mean, that's what they call Dominic Kavan, isn't it? Unless the prophet's like this. That's not Davini Kavana. Davini Kavana is if you do that and that stirs you to have the Kavana to change your ways and now be good, especially in the economic zone. Halachov Kagman Rosho, Vesakve for Yitzia. You think it's impressive, God, that you put on sackcloth? Halozetam Tikrayam Ras Hashem? You think that's what Hashem wants? Then you're going for the externals and you're ignoring the internals. And in this case, the internals is with the pocketbook. No, it's got to be something how you re- how you handle and how you relate to the poor because they're the ones that need the help. You understand that? In other words, that's the bottom line. That's that's where the rubber hits the road. Are you helping the ones that need the help? And if you're not doing that, then get out of here. Then don't be surprised by Hashem. So I'm not impressed with your the externals. What do you mean? I thought the externals are very important. It's important to have a a, a strimal, a kapota, and a you know, or a black coat. Or uh, yeshiva, this kind of thing or that. You know, I thought that's important. No, they're actually not important. They're just there as a means to an end. You understand? They're a means to an end. And I'm sure somebody's listening now. He said, "Yeah, but you still have to have your black hat, right?" <laughs> I mean, I get it. But it's a mean. It's it's a means to an end. And what he's, if you wonder what the end is, that's in the next pasuk. This is famous stuff. So again, you think hachazayim some mevchareu. You think this is the type of tome that I God choose? Anasonamnasho, Lukov Kagwan Rosho, Sakbe Yitzia, to uh, you know, uh, afflict yourself and hit yourself and shake like a lulav and put on sackcloth and all the rest of it? No. Hello Zed Samkareo. It's rather here's the kind of thing that fast that God wants. And none of that nothing he's about to say in this Pusak has to do with refraining from eating or drinking. <laughs> you get it? This is what its home is. Okay? Open the bonds of wickedness. In other words, any crooked money you got in your bank account, lose it. <laughs> right? All of a sudden, the crowd is getting nervous. And Yeshayos, you know, provoking people. Uh, untie the bonds of, uh, of uh, you know, of crushing. You know, uh, the arts will translate wrongly. Those that are busted, let them go free. You see, in the time of Yeshayahu, the king was from in the sense that he wasn't worshipping idols. 
and he restored the base amigdash. And all that is good. Oh, you know, who am I to, you know, to make light of that? But at the same time, for whatever reason, it seems you had a reign of pure capitalism. And money talked and nothing else. And if you had the dough, all the laws of society were, were, were organized around the idea of protecting the people with the dough. And the best example of that is you had the debtor's prison, like you had in, in old England. And you had those equivalents in ancient Judah. If you look in other places, in, Yesh- in Yeshayo, they talk about it. And also in a few other places, uh, in Amos or whatever. And um, the result, therefore, is you had a lot of people in prison for debt. In Judaism, we can call that sometimes an evidivri. But evidivri, if you follow the Torah, is a very limited kind of institution. But I'll tell you right now, I don't care what the Torah says. What happens in point of actual fact is, once a society starts with that kind of stuff, they play fast and loose with the laws of the Torah. And if you believe they treated every evidivri, for example, and forget the Evid-Kanani for a minute, you think the evidivri, the way the Ramam talks about an Evid, you know, that he's really your, you're really his Evid and all the rest of it, that's not real life. In real life, when you're in a position of economic exploitation, in other words, if I'm, a, if I'm in a situation where the law allows me to economically exploit you, I'm going to do it. Most of the time. I'm going to do it. And therefore, he says, you want a real Yom Kippur? You want a real fast? Release the people from the debtor's prison, or whatever the equivalent is at that time. Okay? It's, it's remarkable. He says, um, sent these poor crushed guys, you know, Tumur Tzutza, free, and annul all the perverted justice. So in other words, Hater the Agudas Moto and Bitanatek the Moto. So all the bad stuff, the social injustice, the people who are in jail who don't deserve to be in jail, the people who are, you know, lending the money who do deserve to be in jail but are not in jail. Fix all that, okay? Make society right. Make sure the rich don't use their power, which they have. There's no such thing as a society where the rich don't have the power. But make sure they don't use the power in this abusive fashion. Give the poor to eat. Bring in the, the, the poor, the, the crushed poor in your house. If you see somebody who's naked, give them something to eat. And don't hide from your relatives. So it sounds like, or your fellow Jew, perhaps. is in, in, I mean, I know what the halach is, but I mean, don't hide from a fellow Jew. Once things get organized along the lines of pure capitalism, so everything is classes, like Karl Marx said. Everything becomes classes. You know, who are the people in my economic class? That's who I'm loyal to. And a Jew's not supposed to be like that. A Jew's supposed to be loyal to Kali Yisrael. Kali Yisrael includes the rich and the poor. If you're lucky enough to be rich, great. But don't let that take away from your sense of responsibility to the Kali Yisrael, to the, to, to the others, even if they're poor. And if it means that you have to give some extra money to this, that, and the other, or you have to refrain from sticking it to the guy, even though circumstances legally allow you to do so. So that's already a real tome. That's what he's saying. That's a, that's you know that's what I want to see in Yom Kippur. Now he didn't say anything over here about fasting. Well, Yeshua is a from guy. He knows that he calls it a tome. So people are fasting, but fasting is only the first step. That's my point. Fasting is the first step. You see, the sec and, and frankly, the fasting is the easy part. The hard part is, to, like I say, to forgive this uh, loan or, or something like whatever the case is, you know. Uh, if you do that, stuff, 
If you do the money stuff, then your light will shine like the shachar. Baruch Hashem Titzmoch, and you'll have, uh, you know, your your healing will shoot shoot out. Then you'll have all this brilliant stuff. Okay, Oz Tikra Hashem Yane. Then you'll find that when you call out on a fast day, God will answer. So I'll tell you again, it makes most sense to me that this was taking place in the context of the Assyrian invasion of Sanhedrin, of which we're only told a few elite facts. But you see over here what it was like in the daily, uh, for the daily average Jew. And, um, and like I said, there was a lot of suffering and death at the hands of the enemy. And, you know, the rich are saying, and Yishayel is saying, well, you know, we can fix this, but no one fixes. You guys got to change your economics. You understand? Uh, and then, then God will answer you. But Oz Tikravane Vashem Yana Tivasha Vayomer Hineni. As soon as you say, I'm calling you God, God will say Hineni. He tossed me toka moto. See, see over and over again that word moto, which means economic injustice. Shlach Etzvah Davrovin. Besafik Lerav now Shechel. Help some people out who are hungry. Okay? Venevish Nanatasbiya. And help out those who are being crushed. You hear what he says? Instead of worrying about whether or not you're ma'ana, your own nefesh, notice whether you're keeping all the laws exactly for the fasting, give food to the person who's talking inoy, tasbiya, make him satiated. In other words, I'm going to say, he doesn't mean this exactly, but the idea would be, suppose you have starving, which by the way, it could be, you had starving people at that time. Suppose I met somebody in Yom Kippur. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Suppose me, myself, and I was walking, I met somebody who was tremendously poor and taka starving. Uh, you know, mamish in bad shape. And it was Yom Kippur. And they are hungry as all heck because they haven't eaten for several days. Well, then you give them something to eat. <laughs> you get it? Because the guy might die. Now, how does the halachas work out? Take it from me. If you know, the, you know, with the, with the Kol Sheish Bosakon and the Kol Sheim Bosakon, all the rest of it, uh, that person needs to eat. You get it? <laughs> I mean, that's the ichor. <laughs> okay? We have stories, I'm sure you know, famous story of Akiva Eger and the others where they told people in Yom Kippur, you know, in your case, you got to eat. Um, I'm sure I must have told this. Uh, in my show is where I used to be Rabbi Hertzberg. It'd be long ago. Rav. And he was at Sadiq in his way, especially on the stuff we're talking about, which has been on the Chavero. And his wife was also, and I knew this old, old lady in Baltimore long ago, Raya Hurwitz. She was a librarian at the Hebrew College when I was much younger. And, and she's not here anymore, I'm sure. Because she was old, old, old then. And her father, she was a modern, you know, modernish, you know, I don't know how firm she was. But she grew up in the old East Baltimore neighborhood you know, downtown, as it used to be in old American cities. And she said her father, his name was Goldshire, something like that, uh, was, used to go to that shul where Rabbi Hertzberg was downtown. And, um, and he wanted to, he always bought Mofter Yona, I think, or something like that. And he got diabetes. And to make a long story short, Rabbits in Hertzberg, who was at Sudeikis also, on Yom Kippur, she saw how he looked. She looked out from the ladies' section. She saw how schwach he looked. And she went home right away and squeezed orange juice, onion kipper, she not allowed to do, and brought it to Shul. 
and she called the guy out, and she said, you got to drink this now, and he said, I'm not drinking nothing, I'm Kippur, and she said something like, look, you're not going to make me into a guy, I'm a Chal Shabbos, Chal Yom Kippur, for nothing, you know, if I went to the trouble of doing this, then you're going to drink this, <laughs> you understand, which was her way of saying, you know, this is something you have to do, that's nothing but the application of the Haftar to real life, you get it? That's the application of Torah to real life. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I assume he needed the orange juice for the diabetes stuff. We're talking here in the 1930s, you understand. Um, and, and, and what was their point? Don't go ahead and fast, and the result, you'll drop dead. <laughs> you see? Um, do you know, I had an old guy in my show who passed away long ago, Dr. Sigmund, a very educated person. was a Tamil too. And I remember he had bad diabetes, and he was actually Shiva guy. You know, he was actually a, a religious Zionist by the time I knew him. But he, was, he went to, um, what was it again? Tervadas and even Spring Valley in the time of uh, Mandelovich and, you know, all those guys. And the late 40s, Rob Dessler was there for a while, also, he told me. And so he was a from guy in his way. And points like this. He used to sit right next to me in Shul when I was first a rabbi in the Shul when I started this job. And... He was in shvacha shape, you know, because he was a diabetic. And he was always saying like this, the main thing I'm davening, this is what he told me, the main thing I'm davening is I should make I should be able to make it through Yom Kippur without having to eat. Because <laughs> he knew he had to eat, he was just hoping he could make it without. You, you, you get the point? That, that's a certain mentality. But that's his own business. If you see somebody else like that, you have to help them. So that's what the prophet is saying. Okay? If you do that, then your then your um your light will shine. But and then he has all these glorious, you know, uh, um what you call it, uh prophecies. And then he goes on at the end, which is something fairly strange. He says, if you'll do what I just said, which basically has to do with social justice, help the poor. Uh, help the guy from being foreclosed, help the person who's up the creek financially, and so forth. Uh, then he says, and if you keep Shabbos in a Shabbos of spirit, what's that got to do with anything? So it's very famous. You know, there's songs about this. If you make Shabbos, Shabbos dick, and don't talk and chill about business, then everything will be great. That's more or less how how the uh, how the half Torah ends, so it, it's like a little bit strange. Now you can say, I mean, I think I saw somebody once say this, that he's like shifting back. Don't think that I'm a reform rabbi. The only thing that counts is the ben adam chaber stuff and to heck with the ritual stuff because you got to keep Shabbos and Shabbos and all the rest of it. Eh, it's a good line, but it's, you know, it's not what's going on over here. Rather, I would say, in my opinion. It's all part of a piece. What were we talking about before? We're talking about the basically the from richy rich guy who does good on the and even flashy on the Benalam Lachabero part. Say so notice he pays ten million dollars for Tfilin. He'll buy a safer Torah for the shul that's super schmooper pooper, you know. But on the other hand, like I say before, when it comes to a to to a business type situation, he'll be ruthless and he'll cut the throat of the other guy. I don't know, something like that. Now, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, so those kind of people, 
are really shaku and the mominus. So then what what kind of a shop is do they have? You'll say like this. What do you mean what kind of shop does he have? The guy ordered the best steak, whatever these new, uh, you know, uh, things are called. My son told me in Israel where they have the Shabbos. Uh, you'll know better than I do, you know. You get deluxe Shabbos and order it or something like that. And, you know, they have a special plate, you know, platter. We had saw in Lakewood, you know, from, from the deli. And, you know, in other words, top of the line, you'll say, I guess, I'm a Chabot Shabbos, you know, Bixus Nakia, and with fancy foods, you got the whole nine yards over there. So you say, look what a, a, a tremendous Shabbos they have. But at the table, in that fancy house, you know, what are they talking about? You see? And of course, they're talking about the latest deal, the latest moment in this business. So if you have Shabbos like that, then the rest of the week's going to be double mess. If Shabbos becomes more ruchniistic, if you start thinking about spiritual matters on Shabbos, maybe that'll spill over into, you know, this kind of, it'll spill into, into the week. So the question is, you know, what dominates what? Is the Shabbos, you know, going to dominate the, the rest of the week or the rest of the week going to dominate Shabbos? If you're honest, and answer the following question. You know, when you get the Ami and the Mishpacha and all that, so technically speaking, you're not supposed to look at the advertisements. But that's what everybody does look at. <laughs> you see? Yeah, that's what people look at. And, and, and let's put it this way. If there's a whole thing, you see there's going to be a Pesach hotel that costs this and so much money, or a, or, or a new apartment is going to cost that much money. I mean, you can't help it. You see, you can't help it. Uh, so what's happening? The week is invading Shabbos through the Frum magazine. <laughs> you get it? Instead of the other way around. So the Navi, therefore, is really talking about the overemphasis on the Gashmius and the Mominus, which he seems to, if I understand this correctly, he seems to assign the blame for the Holocaust to hit the Jews in the time of Prophet Yeshayahu. Because I'll tell you again, the Assyrians came down there and they were bad news. You just go online and Google the siege of Lachish or something like that, you can see all the tortures they did on the Jewish prisoners. I mean that. Uh, you know, from ancient uh, carvings and uh, famous archaeology. And in the course of that comes this Haftorah. And what does he say? He said, go back to basics. What's the basic? Yom Kippur is the basic. You know, there's Yom Kippur A and there's Yom Kippur B, which is why we have this Haftorah. Yom Kippur A, you focus on the rituals. Yom Kippur B, you derive from the rituals how you're supposed to act being on the Havero. Uh, that has always going to been, has always been and always will be a very interesting Haftorah. Anyway, um, now that I mentioned it, you'll look at it hopefully on, on, on Yom Kippur. And with that, I want to thank, as I said before, uh, Pechus Trisman for standing, stepping up right away as he did. And um, this will make it a full week. I will do the, the, the feel later on after Yantav and uh, or whenever. And with that, I wish you all a easy fast. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.